Welcome to episode 54 of the We All Serve podcast. I'm in blue. I'm not wearing a uh, a Cubs hat over here, but um, now I uh, now I feel like I should find one real quick before uh, I wanted to before we actually went live over here because uh, Angel standing there with the socks at. Don't yeah, hey, why. what are you doing with all your extra time that you're not busy watching baseball because the Cubs aren't in the postseason? What do you do with that? <laughs> do you make life changes? Do you make life choices? What are you doing? How are you handling it? Okay, Angel, I'm just saying today you're going to be ganged up on because we've got two Army guys against you. We've got two Cubs fans against you. So, sure, get it all in while two it's just Two Army me. Cubs fans against the sole postseason naval officer. <laughs> Who's the winner here? I mean... I can understand the army does big numbers and everything, but quality, eh, we got to look at that. You do have a point. You do <laughs> have a point. You absolutely do have a point. How are you, Shalom? How are things I'm going, good. buddy? I'm good. It's good to it's good to be here. We were just saying it's been a long day. Um, I'm yeah. on hour 14 um, that I've been going uh, over here. But honestly, I get energized. I, 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 I mean it. This is not just a... Uh, this is not just blowing smoke over here. This is I, I really do get energy from from our casts and you know fifty fourth episode. Excited for the next few weeks. We've got some a really like all star lineup, and it's funny one leads to the next, which leads to the next, and it's funny just how word spreads. So uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, we must be doing something, I guess, sort of right. So. But have well, fun. Well, I get to hang out with you. And, and somewhat well regarded. <laughs> I will say this. I was thinking of this yesterday, actually. I was thinking as I was getting ready for the cast. Um, I The way I see it is our sessions of recording We All Serve is I get to chat with you. And it happens to be we've got some of our friends and family that that, that tunes into our, to our chats. At it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And then our stories kind of intertwine with their stories and you just kind of see where it goes. And you're like, it's really, I mean, most people would think it was scripted. I mean, there's some points that we, we say, hey, we kind of want to talk about these couple of things. But the majority of it's completely unscripted. It's just what you see is what you get. Love it. Don't love it. But what you should do is subscribe, like, recommend it to a couple of people on Spotify. On And, and what's interesting is I was in Tennessee and uh, – my son-in-law said, hey, I, I listened in. It was really interesting because he's thinking about going reserves. And then he said, Army reserves. And I punched him in the nose. And then he's like, Navy reserves. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. Marines, yeah, okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I could say if he wanted to go Army, I know I know, uh, I know, know a guy over here that, uh, you do. that can help you with do. the process. I do know a guy. So You do know a guy. <laughs> I do know well, a guy. Make sure you share and like and subscribe to the link and uh, tell some folks. Usually that's usually your thing. I know you're tired. It's been a long day, so I'm trying to save you a little bit. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, no, it's it's good. So uh, definitely make sure you do that. And um, honestly, I want to jump right in. Um, and I be, just before I, uh, I I bring in our uh, guest here, I'm going to put him up there on the screen. But um, so I was traveling a few weeks ago. Um, I was on a I was on a mission. I was traveling a little bit, and that's when I get to catch up on my own professional development. I download a lot of podcasts. I I download a lot of books pack my bags and I was on a I was on three legs of, of flights and I had downloaded a podcast with um with an outstanding um retired lieutenant colonel. Oh there he is. And um I was listening to to a podcast and as I tend to do the thing that I pride myself on just in terms of relationships is when I think of somebody I I just reach out. That's that's just how I've always done it. If I'm Is this when you had a cup of coffee, the Starbucks? Was he the guy with the Starbucks? 
I'm the way to get my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I'm always holding a Starbucks. I'm I'm always holding a Starbucks. So that pretty much, Angel, you just described my entire life. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, either way, I uh, I I did reach out, and uh, we we had a great conversation as I was in a uh, as I was in uh, the. Uh, the, the airport. So um, without further ado, I want to bring in uh, this outstanding retired Lieutenant Colonel uh, Oak McCullough, um, who's born in London, Tennessee, and raised in Kirkland, Illinois, I might add, is a, uh, is a Cubs fan. Yes. Um, it, he went to uh, West Point for uh, two years, graduated from Northern Illinois University, and received his commission as an infantry officer through ROTC, which is a theme that we will certainly talk about. And that was in 1986, served honorably in the United States Army. Yes, the United States Army Angel for 23 years. Um, with many- The Army was my last boss when I retired, man. And I, I know. Just, the Army was my last boss, so I know. I know. Uh, many leadership roles in uh, both infantry and armor, and the bio is honestly goes on and on and on. But what I found fascinating and what uh, what Oak, you and I talked about in our uh, in our first conversation is uh, I loved the education um, that and the leadership and leadership is really the theme that I heard um, in uh, in the conversations. Uh, and I know you've been doing a lot of public speaking, talking about the leadership that you've learned through uh, through the army, and we're going to talk about all of those. Uh, all of those areas. I will just uh, uh, conclude by saying that uh, Lieutenant Colonel McCullough uh, earned a uh, Bachelor of Science degree in History from Northern Illinois University in 1987, a Master of Military Arts and Science in History from the United States Army Command and General Staff College in 2002. 31 military service awards, including the Bronze Star, eight MSMs, Meritorious Service Medals, and the Humanitarian Service Medal, uh, married to the former uh, Kelly Smith of Wakanda, Illinois. I know uh, Angel and I both know where that is. They were married at Fort Sheridan, Illinois in 1987, two beautiful children and a granddaughter and two grandsons. Um, so without further ado, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Oh, thank you for having me on, Angel and Shalom. I, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, oh, by the way, you know, everybody reads that 31 decorate. You know, the one that I'm most proud of is that Humanitarian Service Medal. I, I helped uh, uh, helped out in Charleston after Hurricane Hugo. And to me, that was one of the best things I ever did. It's awesome. Well, I always defer to Angel for the uh, for the first question. So, Angel, take it away. Well, Oak, it's great to have you on here. And I, I, I got a little bit of your story from... Shalom, and we talked a little bit about the ROTC thing, and I told you I'd talk about the, my my ROTC story. So I'm gonna lead with that, and then we'll take it into you. Okay. Um, my best friend, it was uh, his dad was a naval officer. He went to Auburn with his high school sweetheart. Was on a Navy ROTC scholarship during the Clinton years. During the Clinton years, they started scaling back on ROTC scholarships big time. Well, he. His scholarship got dropped. He's like, whoa, what am I going to do? Army said, we'll take you. <laughs> You're a smarty. <laughs> so now he's over at Fort Leonard Wood. He's the brigade commander over at Fort Leonard Wood, Colonel Crockett. Amazing guy. And uh, we've actually, our career paths have kind of crossed over. Uh, I was in Hawaii. He was in Hawaii. And uh, it's just such a unique thing. And he went to Army ROTC and and had the good fortune of having extremely proficient uh, intelligent leaders like you and i wanted to i was thinking what are some of the things you're seeing changes in the young people today and young leaders what are you seeing as part of their culture and what stimulates them and what are you going to see is it going to be the same old army officer or is it going to be something different 
Well, I, I think there's absolutely something different. I mean, you see this this group of young people today are are much different than we were. Um, certainly, you and I, Angel. I think we're a little bit older than Shalom, probably. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things I find, I'm not saying that they're 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 worse or better or whatever, but they are certainly different. You know, I think we spent a lot of time outside. We were, you know, much more physical than the average person today that, that I talked to for Army ROTC. But, but I always, always caveat with this. I really see two groups of people because most of the people, a lot of the people who come talk to me, their parents, either one or both, were either in the military or are in the military or first responders, either a policeman, fireman, something like that. That's one group. Then you got the other group that their parents, no parents, nobody was in the military like me. I, none of my family was in the military. Same. My uncle, my uncle was in the army during Vietnam. Vietnam. Everybody's um, uncle was, everybody's uncle or aunt was in Vietnam. Everybody. Absolutely. So, um, but, but none of my family, my father wasn't military, you know? So, um, so really you got those two groups and, and I, and I think that there's, that they are different in their viewpoint of what they know they're getting into. The ones who are from the military families at least have an idea of what it is they're asking for. The other ones have no idea. And I always tell them, you know, because they're because they're not really sure that, you know, they, they don't know what it is that they're looking at. Um, they think they want to come and at least give it a try. And I always tell them, look, come give it a try for a semester. I promise you, after one semester, you will know whether or not this is for you or not. You know, I've I've said that to I don't know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And some of them take me up on it. And the ones that do, you know what? I've never had one of them come back at the end of that first semester and say, you know what, Colonel McCullough, still not sure. They're either sign me up, get me out of here. <laughs> and that's okay <laughs> because it's not for everybody. But the only way you're going to figure that out is if you do it. And then that way they can make a decision based on what they know, not on what they think they know. That makes sense. I, what are some of the things and just peeling back? That was great. Very insightful. But I want to peel back on what you envision and what you're seeing the future army leaders are going to look like based on what you're seeing coming across your 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 desk. Not desk, but, you know, your program. Right. Yeah. So I think, I, th I think that that one of the things that is changing is it isn't good enough just to tell somebody what to do anymore. You got to tell them why this younger generation wants to know why. And as a leader, I think that they're going to be willing to do that as well, much more than we are. I mean, I, I finally figured it out that that's what, if you're going to lead this generation, you got to understand that they want to know why it's not good enough just to say I'm the boss and do it. And, and nor should it be. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. It just took me a little bit to figure that out. I'm just a dumb farm boy. So it took me a little while to figure that out. Um, but this generation, I think that you're going to see people who are more uh, intellectual than the average officer of our age uh, during our time. I mean, not not to say that we didn't have smart people, but the, these this group of people, at least what I'm seeing coming through Emory Riddle. Now, Emory Riddle may be a different story because it's an engineering school. Um, so I get a lot of engineers and I get a lot of brainiacs and I get people like that. Um, so I, I think that maybe what I see is skewed a little bit, but I don't think very much because even a lot of people who aren't coming to my school, but just come get my interview, do have me do the interview. They're the same thing. Uh, they're, they're much more book oriented than we were where, you know, 
again, I think at least I, I played baseball, basketball, football in high school. I played baseball in college. I was Me too, outside. badly. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. I, was al- I was always outside doing something. Um, yes. That is not this generation. I can just tell you right now, this generation grew up with Xbox. Um, that was what they did as a kid. Um, and, and, and it shows, it really does. We, we have a problem sometimes getting our prospects to pass the Army physical fitness test. Oh, I can see that. You know, one of the things that I find interesting, and kind of you you touched on it a bit, is the younger generation that that are coming up, um, ZX, you know, um, millennial X uh, generation. They want to know why, and most of the old Kaji son of a guns like us go spoil little kids, and you always want to know why, and I got a basic story. No, they want to know why because they want to be able to contribute, they want to be inspired, and they want to be motivated to help, and they don't want to get hurt because somebody was stupid and told them to do something that they didn't know how to do. So yeah. it's not just a trust thing. It's a, I want to contribute to the solution. I want to make things better, and I want to feel inspired by what, what we're doing. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't I think either. a lot of people get it wrong. I, I don't think it's a bad thing either. I think I think that uh, that, you know, and I, I just gave a lead, my leadership presentation, which I've been given for, you know, 15, 15 years. I gave it to a group, of, a, a Catholic youth group last night uh, at a Catholic church in, in uh, Melbourne, Florida. Um, my wife and I went down there and uh, and uh, was happy to do it for the youth group. And uh, and I talked about that. I talked about, you know, when when you as a leader today are talking to the people who follow you in on your team in your organization whatever you want to call it even outside the military in the civilian world which by the way the civilian world is craving leadership i mean they are they need it just as badly as the military does and and they're hurting just as badly as we are for military for the leadership um but i said you know you gotta a leader one of the things that a leader does it has a they have a vision for where they want that organization to go and then you got to come up with a plan that gets you from where you are today to where you want to be and part of that is not only the how but the why and if you can convey to this generation the why and they understand it they'll do anything you ask them to do just like we did when we were young lieutenants um but, but they want to know why. And you're right. Part of it is because they want to be motivated and it does motivate them it, as long as the reason you are doing it is for the good reasons. Um, and if it isn't, then they can move on and do something else. But I, I think you're right. We have to tell them why. Uh, and that, that's not an option. It, and it's not an always thing. Else. Yeah. And it's not an always thing. I think that telling them in times when the opportunity presents itself builds trust and when you build that trust, when the stuff hits the fan, you don't have to explain why. They go, got it, we're out. Exactly. This person would never tell me to do something that he, that he or she wouldn't do themselves or wasn't essential to what happened. You got, you got to take advantage of those things. I, I agree 100%. Shalom? So uh, going back, as uh, Angela and I always do, uh, we sort of started with, again, leadership, which is, I'd say, if there's, uh, if there's a term that's associated with uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Oak McCullough, it's, 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 it's that leadership. And I know you've quite literally written the book on it. We'll get there. But I want to go back to, uh, to that uh, Lieutenant uh, Oak and uh, go back to uh, those early days. I know you started at West Point and, uh, and went in. Uh, I, I, I want to talk about those early days. Why? Why uh, coming in with the, without a military background, um, family not in the military, why did you 
talk to a recruiter and uh, all I'd ask is don't bias it with the recruiter hat that you now wear. I'm curious, why, why did you, why did you have that conversation? Why did you enter into the military? Dude, so, he went to West Point. That's a big deal <laughs> to yeah. get in there and that process and that selection. That wasn't an overnight thing. That was, that was a long, hard thought, right? Yeah. Luke? Yeah, it was. I, you know, I started, I started figuring out that I wanted to do this military thing. I wanted to be an officer probably about the end of my sophomore year in high school, maybe the beginning of my junior year, right in that area. And I always tell people, I just had my 40th uh, class reunion a couple of weeks ago and I went back and I, and I had to see this late young lady, not young anymore, my age. I had to see the, the lady who helped me get into West Point. She volunteered because, you know, back then we didn't have computers. It was all typewriters. She volunteered to type all my applications, to type everything, all my letters, everything. It had to when be you typed. had to actually type them. Exactly. <laughs> and she typed them all for me. Oh. And, I get, and I gave her a copy of my book, you know, and I told her, I said, you know, I probably would never have gotten into West Point if it hadn't been for you. And of course, she said, that's crazy, but it's probably not. Um, it, it was a huge part. But but I, I, I did it. The reason I picked that route that I thought I wanted to be an officer, a couple of things. Number one, I had been a, you know, I was captain of my sports teams. I was president of student government. I was been president of a couple clubs or whatever. So I, I had tasted leadership and I, I liked being in, in a leader I, and, and not because it made me somebody special, but because I felt like I could help the organization and that, and it again, gave you a purpose. Yeah, it goes back to servant leadership, and I believe that, and it, and and it started at a young age for me. But the other reason that I really chose that route was because, you know, I, I my father never finished the fifth grade, my mother never finished the tenth grade. Now they eventually went back and got their GEDs, but they didn't go to school past those grades, and yet I had the opportunity to apply for and get accepted to go to the United States Military Academy at West Point, one of the premier schools in the world. And I retired a lieutenant colonel. Nowhere else in the world does that happen. No, I've been in 44 countries on five continents. I can tell you, I don't, I don't exist anywhere else in the world that I could do the things that I got to do. And I always told people, my father-in-law didn't always understand, at least in the beginning, why I did what I did. He always used to say, Oak, you know, with your talents, you could go out in the civilian world and you could make lots of money. And I said, well, first of all, I don't really care about lots of money, but uh, thank you. I, I probably could. I said, but what I really care about is allowing other people who are in my situation when I was a young man or a young lady uh, in today's world to be able to have the same choices that I had when I was that age. And if that meant that I had to die or, you know, so that your son or daughter or somebody else's sons or daughter or my son or daughter could have those same opportunities, then that was worth it to me um, because somebody died so I could have those choices. And and I felt like I owed it back to the country to uh, to give other people that those choices. And that's that's why I chose to serve in the, as an officer in the United States Army. That's 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 awesome. So it sounds like the same reason why you continue to serve, which is uh, which is that theme of everything we do on this podcast, is really that same uh, that same reason why you why you started, which is fantastic. And again, you you've you've had a, a very interesting vantage point of watching uh, many 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 folks come through. 
Um, and whether it's through mentorship as uh, you've increased in, in rank and responsibility or now retired and, and being in that, I know that pitiful, pitiful, challenging place of uh, Daytona Beach, Florida, yeah. um, trying to, yeah, I know you're, you're just slugging the through. Real. Yeah, the it struggle is, yeah, very, very tough. So um, I asked this of all of our guests, um, who is a best friend or greatest mentor that you can point to from your time in service that made you who you are? Yeah, I had a, uh, there was a four-star general. He retired a four-star general one, uh, who was my mentor. I don't know why he ever decided to, to pick me to, to, to have an interest in, but I'm glad he did. And I worked for him several times. Um, and, um, and he was one of those guys that I could always call every time, you know, every couple of years when, when you get a, a branch assignment officer would call and say, okay, it's time to move. This is where we're going to send you. I'd always say time out, hold, hold your horses. I'll, I, I'll, I heard that I'll get right back to you. And I'd call. I need to phone a friend. Yeah, I did. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd call, call my mentor and I'd say, Hey boss, this is what they want me to do. And he would always give me one or two answers. Always. He'd either say, great job, take it, good job, Oak, that you want that job. Or he'd say, run, run very fast, Oak. <laughs> you do not want that job. And then, then I'd call back my assignments officer and we'd figure it out from there. But, um, but not only that, I mean, anytime I had, um, had a question about something, whether it was um, just my, my career or helping other people, helping my organization, whatever it was, I knew I could always pick up the phone and call him. And it didn't matter what, what it was, he was willing to take the time to, to, uh, to talk to me. And, and that left a great impression on me. And I, I tell people, and in my book, I talk about it in my presentation, I talk about it. And I talk about it as much as I can, even when I'm just around talking to people, Leaders create leaders and leaders need to be mentors. If you, I, and I will argue that if you are, you think you're a leader and you aren't mentoring somebody, I'm questioning whether or not you're really a leader. Um, you may have the title of being a leader, but I don't think you really are if you haven't gotten to the point where you're mentoring people, uh, because that's what leaders do. You, you have to mentor people um, and you don't have time to mentor everybody. I got it. Uh, but you got to pick out those those diamonds in the rough that you think are going to make something who are going to who are you can put on that fast track and and you got to help them just like somebody helped me. And, um, you know, hopefully somebody's helped you guys throughout your career as well. But I, I'm a firm believer in mentorship. I still have people who I commissioned from my Army ROTC program when I ran one at the University of South Alabama in Mobile back in 2006. I started and that was my first graduating class. And I, they still stay in contact with me. Uh, one of them's a major in the United States Army. And, you know, every couple, every, every uh, couple of times a year, he'll he'll either send me an email or or give me a call and say, "Hey, boss, this is what I'm doing. What do you think?" And or just just to update me on where they are and and where he is in his career. So it's great that, that when people reach back out to you and keep in touch with you, that makes makes you understand that you had an impact in their life, which is what mentors do. That's, that's, that's awesome. And that's exactly what it's all about. And, and, um, and that's, that's, that's critical. So what is the advice that you would share, uh, to a, uh, to a young, uh, Oak McCullough or somebody that might be tuning in? First of all, would you do this all over again? Or, or is there anything that, that you would perhaps do differently after experiencing, uh, 23 years in, uh, our great United States Army? I tell people I would not trade a single second 
of my 23 years in the army on active duty. I loved every minute of it, even when people were shooting at me. Um, you know, I, I loved what I did. I loved being a leader. I loved helping people. And, and it really is, in my opinion, it's about the selfless service. And that's what I tell every single Lieutenant when we commission them. And, I, and it's what, what I, what I took out of it when I got commissioned, probably not as clearly as I tell people today, just cause I, you know, I was a young, you know, bullet thought you were bulletproof and knew everything. And I didn't have uh, somebody who, who kind of really mentored me at that point. Like I wish I had, and, and like I like to do now, but every single Lieutenant that we commission out of our program, I always tell them, look, enjoy today. Today's the day you get commissioned. Great. You need, you should celebrate. That's a big deal. Celebrate it. You will remember this day, the rest of your life as you should. I said, but tomorrow, remember when you wake up tomorrow, after we pin those bars on you today, when you wake up tomorrow, it will never be about you again, ever. It is about your soldiers, or if you're in the civilian world, your employees, it's about your company, it's about who you work for, it's about the army, it's about the country. Then if we got time, we might talk about you, maybe. <laughs> but it's all about all those other things first. It is not about you. And and if you don't understand that as a leader, then, then I don't think you can ever be a really, really good leader because it, it is all about service selfless service and being a servant leader. And that doesn't mean you let people walk all over you. Believe me, I, I don't think anybody walks all over me, except maybe my wife. Um, but uh, no. You get the L5 out of, out of whack. You, she's got to walk all over it, man. Yeah, that's right. Just dig in that's, there and get it right back in this place. That's right. No, <laughs> I, I will tell you, you know, it's all about selfless service. And we got to get back to teaching our leaders at all levels in all professions that it is not about them. It's not about the title. It's about helping other people. And if we get back to doing that, maybe we can get this country back on the right track. Maybe. Oak, I think what you said makes a lot of sense to me. And sometimes people get the messages wrong and it's not when, when they say it's not about you. And for me, I took it the other direction and I said, and I think you did too. And I'm going to offer something up. And uh, it's, it's about, us as the leaders and the legacy we leave absolutely and what we put into our people and how we develop them absolutely. and how they how they rep how they represent us and it sounds selfish and egotistical maybe a little bit narcissistic but you know what the the officers when i was an officer recruiter for the navy i still stay in touch with i'd say almost 99 percent of them and i they reach out and they're like hey chief you know da, da, da. and and i think what are you doing what are you working on and who are you helping today yeah. the way I helped you, the way I, I supported and developed you. And I think you probably did the same thing. Absolutely. So, so it, in, in my book, I, one of the chapters, chapter two is, and in my presentation, it's one of the first, it is the first thing I talk about is it is not about you. It is all about you. It's not about you and the privileges that you're going to get and the title you're going to have and the promotions right. you're going to get and that you get better pay and you drive a nicer car and you live in a nicer house. Some of those things may happen and that's good, good for you, but that's not why we made you the leader. It's all about you and how you treat the people who work for you and the organization that you work for, because that's what it's all about. And if people understand that, that it's, you know, 
you you got to give credit where credit's due. You got to help those people move up in their career, mm-hmm. even if it isn't to your advantage. I, I can remember as a young lieutenant, I, I was talking to um, another lieutenant in our company, and we had a big and we, we were getting ready to go to the national training center, a big training event, and you know we all get graded on it, and it's a big part of your evaluation. And and my buddy. The other lieutenant was saying, well, you know, Sergeant so-and-so needs to go to the academy uh, to, I, I forget, PNOC or what, whichever one it was. I can't remember which one it was, ANOC or PNOC. And he said, but I, well, we're going none to the of those algorithm, None of those acronyms mean anything to me, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Pr- primary leadership or, or <laughs> advanced leadership, I guess. Um, Got for it. The, for, the non, for the non-commissioned officers. So, so. And he said, but but I, we're going to the National Training Center. I can't afford to let him go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna delay his education. And I said, Are you crazy? I said, if you do that, you have lost all trust with him and probably the rest of your organization because now they realize that it's about you, not about them. And he did it anyway. And I can tell you that it only went downhill there for, for him. I mean. I mean, and you never get what, that trust back. You never ever, get it back. It's never. done. Once it's gone, it is gone. And and I and the next leader got to pay for that. You, that your your screw up. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So so you you got to understand that it's not about you, and it's all about you. Just like you said, Angel. So uh, I want to go back to uh, again your time your time in service, and I, I want to make sure uh, we obviously also get to uh, cover your uh, your book and your talks and everything. But um, you served twenty three years. Any any highlights of of, of that uh, experience? I know the highlight was leading um, soldiers, um, but you did it in as I said thirty one awards. So you must have been a couple of places over that period of time. Um, give us give us the the highlights of of that career. Yeah. So. Um... So, so I started off as an infantry officer. I did my first five years in the infantry. And during that, I was at Fort Stewart, Georgia. That was my first duty assignment. After That's in downtown out. Atlanta. Yeah. No, Fort Stewart's right outside Savannah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of the Lo- one loved again. it. What a great city. Um, and, uh, and so we, we were, um, Hurricane Hugo came through and it hit Charleston. And we were probably the closest active duty unit. So we were the first one to get activated to go up there. And I spent about 90 days there as a lieutenant. Here, here's an infantry officer. And they put me in my platoon in charge of running a warehouse. I had no idea what a warehouse was, but, but I, we ran one and we did it. And we did a pretty damn good job of it too, I might say. Um, because because we, we, we are soldiers. We understand we, you got to do what you got to do, you know, and, and you, you just you make it up as you go along if you don't know how to do it. And if that doesn't work, you try something else. One of my favorite things is, you know, life is not like baseball. It is not three strikes and you're out. If the third thing doesn't work, try a fourth. If the fourth one doesn't work, try a fifth one. You just keep trying until you figure it out. So uh, my first real assignment, real deployment, even though it wasn't combat, was Hurricane Hugo. And, and it was amazing. I mean, it was an eye opener. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. I saw what tornadoes did. <laughs> Had no idea what what hurricanes could do, and it was an eye opener. Let me tell you. And we spent about ninety days there. Then same I thing as to the, tornadoes. Add the water. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And then and then we went then we went to the first Gulf War, ninety ninety one. And my wife, who was also on active duty, she was an Army nurse. Uh, when I deployed to the first Gulf War. 
we had a one and a half year old son and she was seven months pregnant. Um, and I didn't even see my daughter till five, six, seven months old. Um, so, you know, unlike today where people have their cell phone, they get to see each other. Of course, we never, we never saw that. We didn't have all that. So yeah, I did the first Gulf war. And then I did, uh, hurricane Andrew down in Homestead. I did a, uh, um, an, uh, a, uh, operation down there to help there. Cause, um, I had, when I, I had a HHC for a separate armor brigade, a huge company. I had cooks, I had commo people, I had MPs. I, you know, I had a whole bunch of different types of people. And so it was perfect to go down to Homestead and, and do those things. And then we also helped, I don't know if you remember when they put the international police force into Haiti in the nineties. Uh, again, my guys went down to Puerto Rico and we, we tra helped train up that international force that went in there. And then, uh, then I was in, I was a congressional liaison officer for general Clark during Bosnia. Um, so I got to go in and out of Bosnia. I never spent a single night in Bosnia, which didn't break my heart, but, uh, but went in and did out. Did you get the tax free money? Did you yeah, get the yeah. tax free? Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, you know, you know, but it was great because I got to, I got to follow all the congressional elements that were going in and out of there and, and all the things. So I, I got to see some things that were really quite interesting. And then I was, um, then I was the operations officer, the S3 during Kosovo, uh, the second rotation in Kosovo. I was there for nine months, uh, as the operation run the day-to-day -day operations of an armor battalion there in Kosovo. So, then, you know, and like I said, I've been in 44 countries. Obviously, I wasn't stationed in all those, but I've trained or done, you know, been there because the army sent me there for a few days, whatever. And I was stationed overseas twice, uh, Germany, two years, well, and then six months also. So three times, twice in Germany, and then once in Australia. Again, tough, tough assignment, but somebody had to do it. So I took one. You were such a hero. I mean, I the was. things you do to take one for the team. Is I, I was. I mean, I was like, I've got tears in my eyes. I'm like, wow, that guy, I want to have, have an oak statue and like give it to people. <laughs> so, so yeah, I've, I've had, I've had uh, some things in the army and, and, uh, and I've enjoyed all of my time in the army and I've learned some lessons and not only leadership lessons, but some life lessons. And I try to pass those on as well. And there's a second presentation I give called, how to be successful. And, um, and that's really more about life lessons and what it takes to, to be successful in life. And, and I've had pe some people have told me that they thought that was the better of the two presentations. I just decided to write the leadership book first, but I will write another book on that presentation as well. So Angel, I always forget that you, uh, that you did serve as a, uh, as a recruiter as well. And you've, you've talked about some of those experiences, which is fun. So I'll, I'll kick it back over to you to, uh, because well, I know Oak, that's what you're doing these days. Yeah. Well, and I will tell you that the, the fact that all those officers that you put in are still in contact with you, it says how good of a recruiter you were and that you were an honest recruiter and didn't, you weren't in it for the wrong reasons. You were in it for the right reasons, which was to make the Navy a better organization and good for you thanks yeah I, you know i was a senior enlisted and uh i was a chief petty officer and to me it was i'd seen enough i'd seen good officers and i'd see officers with systemically and family <laughs> histories of 
opportunities for betterment of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> they just sucked. <laughs> and um, it was all about me. It was all about my promotion, my fitness report, all this other junk. Yeah. So what I wanted to do, and, and, and it, I'm sure you're aligned with that, is I didn't want anyone leading my sailors that I wouldn't want to work for. Absolutely. And if I wouldn't serve with that person, I didn't call him back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now that I'm out, I can say that. There's a bunch of people that I didn't call back. I had yeah. Katie Newsom. I'm going to say about Katie Newsom. She weighed, well, she weighs about 75 to 85 pounds overweight and couldn't PT or anything. I literally told this woman whose father, I didn't find this out until years later, was in 06. because <laughs> it was in Atlanta. I told her, come back when you're, you're in weight standards. That woman came back lean and mean and Good told her, now what? I put her in and she's like, now she's the, she was a supply officer in the Green Bay. She's just, now she's the detailer and she's telling people orders. Incredible. And I was like, character. It's all about character. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and when I get NCOs, because, you know, I was a professor of military science, so I ran an Army ROTC program. So my PMS, my professor of military science that I had, and I'm on my fourth one now here at Emory Riddle. You know, they, they, they trust me because I've done their job. I did it for three years and I did it pretty well. So um, one of the things they always send somebody in that's new in to talk to me so I can talk about recruiting, what I do recruiting wise and how they can help in the recruiting piece. But I always tell everyone of them, I tell two things. If I get an NCO that comes in, I say, look, there's only one reason you are here. And that is to take these young men and women and turn them into the platoon leader that you wanted when you were a platoon sergeant. And if you don't do that, that's on you. And I don't ever want to hear you gripe about an officer ever again. And I tell the officers that come in, the captains and the majors, I said, your job is to turn these young men and women into the platoon leader that you wanted as a company commander. And if you don't do that, then that's on you. And I don't want to ever hear you gripe about a, a lieutenant ever again, because that's what it's all about. And again, it's not about them. It's about the organization and it's about the army. And I, my, my recruiting buddies don't believe me when I tell them this, but when I get a young man or a young lady who walks into my office and they're sitting in my office and I'm talking about army ROTC, I always, the last thing I always tell them or next to last thing, uh, I always say, Besides get out. Yeah. Okay, before before we get out. Okay, good. I always tell them this. I said, if you have not gone and talked to the, because Emory Riddle has Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine yeah, yeah. ROTC at it. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you have not gone and talked to all the other services, you need to do so. I said, because you, this is about you. This is one of those few times in, its, in your life where it's about you. Picking which one you want. The only way you're going to know that is if you go see what each one of them offers. And then you'll know what's, which one is right for you. I said, I would love for it to be Army ROTC here in, at our school, but this isn't about me. I made my choices 100 years ago. This is about you, and you need to figure it out. And the only way you can do that is to get the information. So that's one of the last things I tell them uh, before before they leave my office. And my, my buddies don't believe that I tell people to do that, but I do, every one of them. And you can ask every one of the cadets in my program, and I've told every one of them that. You get a better quality of person. There's no guessing and fear of missing out or, or misillusion or disillusion or mis-messaging. Look, you had the opportunity to talk to every single one of the people. I'm so confident in who I am and what we have to offer in our leadership that I'm not intimidated by that because the right fit is the right fit all the time. That's right. That's right. And, and if and if you if the right fit is the Navy, that's where you need to go yeah. or, or the Air Force or whatever. I mean, it, it's it's. 
It's all about service and it's however right. you want service, to serve. Service is service. And that's what I tell them all. You know, if you really want to serve, it doesn't matter. Well, that's all I had. Shalom. Uh, I just want to thank Colonel Oak you know, for being so candid and so just down to earth and realistic and, and saying, yeah, man, this is how it is. I love that about you. Yeah. I, and I always tell people, look, I'm brutally honest as my wife reminds me all the time. You know, I, I don't, I don't sugar. When she steps stuff. on you on your back. Yeah. She, I, I'll tell you what, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today without her. I mean, no doubt about it. So been married 34 years and, and uh, you know, I, I, in, in the book, I talk about Napoleon's corporal and, you know, somebody that always bounce ideas off of and She's always been that for me. So I, I was I married for 28 years, five to this one, six over here, three with this one. Then it was a time in Vegas. You don't count the one in Vegas. Never. It's a scrimmage marriage. It totally yeah, doesn't there you count. Go. Uh, I, I just have one last question just as we come to a conclusion in our conversation with Lieutenant Colonel retired uh, Oak McCullough. Um, okay. I know you, uh, you've written about leadership. You speak on leadership. I know you live and breathe it each and every day. And uh, I know you're going to have a, a lot of folks um, in the future of the army um, that, uh, that are hopefully uh, just outstanding leaders uh, in the next generation uh, because of your work. But um, where can people learn more about you and uh, and all that you've uh, been up to, uh, so they could hopefully continue the conversation uh, after they uh, they might be listening to this like I did on a plane. So hopefully they right. can touch base. Absolutely, with you. absolutely. So I have a website. It's uh, www.ltcoakmccullough and dot com, and you go there and it has a link to my book sales if you want to buy a book. Um, and it's available in hardcover, paperback, and entitled. Single. The title is "Your Leadership Legacy: Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be." Um, and 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 I'm working on a uh, get. I'm in the deals right now to to produce an audio book as well, um, but uh, audio version of the book. Um, but then there's also presentations that I give there. There's my leadership presentation, how to be successful. But then I do some history. You know, I'm a history major. Uh, with a bachelor and a master's in, in history. Uh, I'm, I'm proud that I don't have a doctorate in history. Um, so, um, but I, I give all kinds of lectures on, on, on history as well, Arab-Israeli war, um, terrorism, those kinds of things. But I also give, you know, I, I'm happy to talk about my time in the first Gulf War or my time as a peacekeeper in Kosovo. I've got a presentation for each one of those. So you can go there and figure that out. And you can also subscribe to my, to my website, which then means when I write a blog, it goes on to them first, the subscribers first, and they get, they have it for at least a week or two before it goes out on the rest of my social media. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to uh, to pick up a copy of the book and get in touch. Again, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Oak McCullough, thank you so much for joining us on this 54th episode of We All Serve. Looking forward to uh, staying in touch. And I know that there's going to be many more synergies in store between you recruiting on the uh, Army side and uh, Angel on the Navy side. You know, we're good. I will say, and I know Angel and I have talked about this, we still need to get a Space Force guy on the uh, on the show over here. So, Dude, yeah. I saw like five of those guys in uh, in, uh, in Charlotte, and they were really? in their new new cool little little thingies. They were. Are you serious? Yeah. Why yeah. didn't you walk over to them and recruit them for the show? They were. They had. They they, they still had the price tag on that thing, man. It was so new. <laughs> I was like, geez, Louise, your kids, man. And me, I was coming out of going from Chicago to Tennessee, and the you know, the, the little you know Cracker Jack kids, and I'm like, 
every time I see them, I just want to go, dude, it was so much fun. It was so much fun because they just came out of boot camp. And I was like, I had so much fun. It was so great. <laughs> so so I, I think uh, Emery Riddle actually commissioned two lieutenants from the Air Force program into the Space Force last year. Mm-hmm. Well, Oak, you are now a recruiter for the We All Serve podcast. I mean, you are officially credentialed. So if you get us a space, we, we had our first Coastie on not, not that long ago. And so I, I uh, always definitely. tell people the Coast Guard is one of the best kept secrets in America. It really is. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. And he oh, was, yeah. that guy did have a doctorate and like 12 other degrees. I was like, holy crap, that guy's smart. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I had people go rocks, man. Yeah, no wild. Um, click subscribe, rate, review, share. Make sure you get in touch with us. Uh, makes it easier for people to find the podcast. And believe it or not, next week we will finally, finally, finally be having on um, our uh, person who we, I, who I told Angel this the other day. I think is is the busiest man in the army these days. He is. Uh, That's why you got the middle of my golf, my tea time. You made I me. Know, I know. I know. my tea time. I'm telling you, it's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Chaplain Colonel Khalid Shabazz, the highest ranking Muslim chaplain in the united states army and i mean just just truly a hero awesome 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 friend and mentor and leader and he's been literally the busiest man in the army these days and i'm just so excited to have him so we will be on with him next week um so you don't want to miss it make sure you subscribe monday Monday at 12 o'clock absolutely absolutely he's just about the only person that would cause uh, angel to uh to, to duck away from uh from uh Gulf. Uh, either way, um, that is a wrap for us here on We All Serve. Um, we'll see you next week. Again, Oak, thanks so much, so much for joining us. Th- thanks for having me, Angel.